Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. Tony, I, my first reaction is just, fuck yes, let's go. Socks versus Detroit. That's, that's where it all starts. It all starts taking care of business in-house in the Central Division. That's right, I'm a meatball. You gotta bring that top button swag, baby. It is always great to beat the Cubs. And I'm a homer, so I always say they're gonna. Dallas Keiko Lampson got some beards that you should be afraid of. What everybody said when he gets out there, it's me versus the other guy, and I'm gonna beat him. So I just love that mentality. It's cool and fucking tough. Steve, Steve, would you say that Tony is mad online? I, I would definitely say that. The White Sox winner. White Sox fans, and welcome into another edition of the Sox on Tap podcast. Yes, we were here yesterday, just Steve and I discussing things like Mike Clevenger signing with the White Sox and a bunch of other White Sox topics. But today there was more breaking news, uh, not of the good kind, but more of the bad kind. And we're here to talk about it. We've got Sox Insane in the house. He's been called up uh, to take a spot on today's show. Steve is back as always. Hashtag 79 always at NWI. Steve, we lost Besnick here for just a second. We'll go to Steve. Steve, how how are you doing today? I'm coming in a little bit hot right now. Jose Abreu should have never had to put on another uniform. He came here out of Cuba. He ate a fake fucking passport on an airplane to get here to suit up for this organization. And what does he have to show for it? It pisses me off to no end. Those are my opening remarks, Counselor. Thanks, Steve. And uh, our guy Sox Insane over here is is working out some technical issues, so we'll get him back on these airwaves as soon as we possibly can. I was going through this on Four Feathers the other day, so I'm no stranger to the technical difficulty side of this. But uh, Steve, I- I'm I'm surprised by this although i shouldn't be i mean we discussed this on these airwaves back in what september i think we'll we'll get to some of that a little bit later but i'm surprised that it's houston i don't want it to be houston and you know my initial reaction to this whole entire thing is you know on the surface it's it's horrible because you've got not a division contender or rival by any means but the top team in the American league and also major league baseball seems to get stronger in the next two years here, at least with Jose Abreu, they've solved their first base problem. They went to basically the top of the market, which was a player that was part of the white Sox organization and just seemingly made the white Sox worse here. Um, Obviously there's other stuff that we're going to get into Andrew Vaughn uh, taking over at first base what it means for my baby boy, Gavin Sheets, a little, probably a little bit of extra playing time, maybe that there's some positives there for me, but in the grand scheme of things, Steve, I really don't like this. We've got our guy Besnick back. He's alive and well, he's worked through some technical difficulties. Besnick, how are you doing my friend on this? Uh, well, hot stove edition of socks on tap. Not great. Not great, Bob. We've got uh, we're we're Jose Abreu list now. Uh, it's going to be really weird seeing not seeing Jose Abreu in the lineup, and going to be even weirder seeing him wearing a Houston Astros uniform. And you know this whole organization, Rick Hahn, Jerry Reinsdorf failed him. They failed to uh, produce and put a team around him. Not once, but twice, Rick Hahn had a chance to do so and failed. So it's a bummer, but you know we have to figure out how to move on. Well, Besnick gave his initial reaction. Steve gave his. I gave mine. Let's move to the first kind of order of business here, guys. Um, How do you think this affects the White Sox overall in terms of offense? And, 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 you know, we can get into what Andrew Vaughn means here a little bit too, but is this going to be a hole in the White Sox lineup without Jose Abreu? Steve, I'll go to you first. When you take away a guy that over the course of nine seasons had an 860 OPS for some really dog shit teams to be able to do that and essentially carry a lineup that had very little around him for 
the vast majority of his tenure with this organization. Yeah, that's going to leave a hole in the organization. We can talk all we want about the ro- the roster construction issues, the glut of first base DH types on this roster, and it's all true. But at the end of the day, removing a guy that you could count on. I know the power numbers were down this year. If you look at some of the advanced numbers and some of the expected data, he was a victim of some poor circumstances. So you take that away. I don't know how this is going to make the offense better initially. Um, Do I have any confidence that Steve, can I interject here? You can. I've been, I've been told by some people and I, I I guess there's some stuff that backs this up in, in, in certain places if you go look for it, but I've been told by some people that this will make the offense better because Andrew Vaughn will be playing first base instead of the outfield. And that inherently makes the offense better. I don't know if you want to explain how to bridge that gap here, but that's, I've seen this around and I I think it's kind of, it's something that can be argued either way. Yeah. And that was one of the things I touched on for a piece that I wrote over at on tap sports that just dropped maybe about 45 minutes ago. Hint, hint. Um, It's going to be very hard to quantify how, playing out of position impacted Andrew Vaughn at the plate, particularly in the second half of seasons when he was wearing down. So that could very well be part of it. I also do think that in a lot of ways, the lost development time that he had from not playing in Birmingham or Charlotte or getting to see high level minor league pitching was a bigger factor in all this. So we're really going to kind of find things out now for Andrew Vaughn here, but just simply saying that, having him stand on the infield dirt the whole time, being able to burn an outfield glove that he should never touch ever again, to think that that is automatically going to cure all that ails and that he's going to turn into Reese Hoskins or Pete Alonzo, which is what he needs to be as a right-right offensive-only first baseman. I want to see it before I believe it. Yeah, Sale wanted to know what kind of new math that is. I think the answer is Steve Alytics right there. See, my Steve. guy Sal, my guy Sal, he knows that I I like to talk facts only. That's just kind of what I do around. It could be here. called facts math. I mean, it could be. Could you be know? called facts math. Bez, how, how do you think this is gonna affect the, the White Sox lineup just initially here? I can't imagine a lineup that's better. I mean, if you look at this thing on paper, um, Rick Hahn still has a lot of work to do. We don't have a left fielder. We, as a matter of fact, I think have two left fielders on the 40-man roster. I'm sorry, two outfielders on the 40-man roster right now. And, and that's if you include Eloy Jimenez. Um, so I, I don't I don't see any way that this is better um, until we see the rest of the acquisitions that Rick Hahn decides to make throughout the rest of this offseason. And... Um, yeah, I, I don't I don't have a lot of faith in that. And Andrew Vaughn has a lot to prove. I think a lot of people have just kind of come to this conclusion that you're just going to stick him at first base and he's no longer in the outfield playing his natural position and he's just going to hit better because of that. Um, I'm not buying that. I'm also was not on the we need to let a Bray you walk bandwagon, um, but that's not why you called. Steve, I'm going to throw this one back to you. I and mean, you just referenced this piece uh, that's up on ODTAP Sportsnet, but let's dig into some Andrew Vaughn numbers here. Uh, there, there were some causes for concern. Don't give everything away, but let's just kind of highlight those for the listeners because Besnick just touched on it. You know, he, he he's not really proven yet, so let's let's get to some of that. Well. You know, the biggest thing for Andrew Vaughn is the precipitous decline in his production in each of the two second halves that he has played uh, since joining the team at the start of the 2021 season. And the numbers are really startling. And if you just look at last year alone, a significant decline in his exit velocity, which I know you love to talk about, Anthony. I know you're a big exit velo guy. Huge. So the fact of the matter is, though, That was one of the biggest takeaways from it. He just simply wasn't hitting the ball as hard. And a lot of 
people will say that all oh, that was a function of his lags simply not being under him, not being able to generate enough pop. There wasn't any discernible difference in his average launch angle. So he was still utilizing his legs, but just simply wasn't hitting the ball with as much velocity as was needed to be impactful at the plate. The other big takeaway from it was that this past season, his walk rate went down to less than 6%. And this was a guy that was eight and a half percent as a rookie for a guy that never saw me pitching above Class A Winston-Salem, I thought that was really impressive. For it to take the precipitous decline that it did last year is very troubling. So these now, are two things. Now, Steve, that- Steve, I'm interested in this data here because you're throwing some some data out. And let's look across the rest of the team. Has anybody else seen that kind of decline in their walk rate? I mean, that was a pretty widespread thing that we saw Um throughout the 2022 season here. I mean, this is a team that just simply refused to take walks. They were allergic to it. The one guy who didn't, the one guy that actually saw an improvement in his walk rate is now going to be playing for the Houston Astros. Oof. That's like not good. I, I, that's, that's terrible. It's not great, Bob. That's, as that's we say terrible. in the business. Yeah. I, terrible. Steve, I, I'm really interested in the digging into these because I haven't the just the walk rates amongst every single starter in that lineup uh, because I feel just with the eye test and watching this team all year, everybody seemed to suffer from that. Now, there's two ways that you can think of that. One is maybe it takes a collective turn altogether with a different approach. Obviously, you've got Menachino gone, so maybe that's Maybe that was part of the issue, but also on the other hand, maybe that's just an organizational and a developmental thing that they have lacked. And you can't really fix that altogether across all of these guys. Now we're talking about Andrew Vaughn who didn't have any time in the White Sox system to go through the same things that Eloy and Yoan Mancata or even Luis Robert did, but me sitting here right now, and maybe I'm different than both of you, I don't think there's really any difference. All of these guys still have holes in their game that should have been fixed or are seemingly fixed by other organizations before a player reaches the major league level. So removing the one guy who seemingly didn't really have any holes in his game, I'm going to go back and bring this to the lineup. Jose Abreu was there every day. Jose Abreu played the game the right way every day. When Jose Abreu made a mistake, he knew he was going to make up for it in some way, shape, or form uh in in a different aspect of the game i think that's what you miss the most and not to really take it away from the lineup stuff this was the guy that they made shirts for as the leader of that young core that this was the guy that uh you know said just year a couple of years ago that he was going to sign himself here he wanted to win a world series here he wanted to do all these great things with this group was willing to set sit through the second thing i want to move the the conversation here is to why the hell is Jose Abreu leaving this organization at this juncture? Was it Jose's decision? Or do you guys think it was the White Sox decision to part ways with Jose Abreu? Because I think that there is a lot of room to talk in this regard right here as to why he's not back. He's he's not coming back, but why is that the case? Is this a Rickon move saying we're going to go with Andrew Vaughn? Is it a money move or was there bad blood here? I want to bring up the fact that I was uncomfortable with the way that the last game was played and that you didn't see Jose Abreu in the lineup. Felt like nail in the coffin to me. We can go back and pull the tapes on that. We're going to pull tapes from other things that happened along the way here. But I want to hear what you guys have to say. Me, personally, I think I'm in the camp of there might have been a little bit of bad blood. I think there definitely was some bad blood here. And I have a sauce that had been saying for several months now that Abreu to Houston was almost an inevitability and look what happened here today. So, and kind of some of the things that you hear through the grapevine a little bit that Abreu wanted to move on, that he felt it was time. And I wrote about this a couple of months ago. This organization failed him for nine years. He gave the nine best years of his baseball life to this sad sack fucking organization. And what does he have to show for it? Two playoff wins because he has a fucking cheap ass piece of shit owner who didn't really care about winning. He talked a big game. 
Boob Nightingale and all these people love to come out there and they love to defend Jerry Reinsdorf. Nobody wants to win more than Jerry Reinsdorf. Fuck you. You piece of shit. Bez, thoughts? I mean, I agree with Steve on all of that. And I'll even add that they also wasted even more years of Frank Thomas's career. Because I think Frank walked away with two playoff wins as well in 93. In 2000, they didn't win any games. And in 05, he wasn't on the playoff roster. And that's a first ballot Hall of Famer. That's what we do here at 35th and Shields is we waste the prime of people's careers. So, you know, is there bad blood? I mean, Steve has some hashtag sources there. It sounds like that's there's some that lends credence to that. And if there was bad blood and if he was ready to move on, then he knew that this was his last year. And they certain this team certainly played like their leader was in his last year and they knew it was the end. So that makes a lot of sense there. And, um, you know, he, he's earned the right. He's has every right in the world to go explore other options and try to win a world series. And, you know, maybe the white Sox offered him one year, but if you can get three at 28 a, a piece is what I think he's getting. Um, you've, you've got to do it and you got to do it with a real contender. Yeah. I mean, three at 20 a piece. I, I didn't see the white Sox really going there. Um, concerning to me, uh, just a little bit here is the news that breaks right after this signing that Cleveland offered him three years as well. And to me, that just seems like, you know, for, for all intents and purposes, the White Sox have just sucked ass in free agency for what feels like forever. But when you've got two teams that uh, one who plays in your division, that's offering your former MVP first baseman, three years to come play for their organization and the defending world series champions offering him three years to come play for their organization. That seems like somebody you want on your fucking team. Anthony, wait a minute. Let me see if I'm understanding this correctly. When you're in your competitive window, you try to maximize it by going out and signing players that are going to make you better. Is that a thing teams actually do? I think so. I think that that's how good teams are operating. And now, we they don't just go, deploy can... 38% of their fucking spending to the bullpen? I've heard is that, rumors. Is that a thing? I've heard rumors. Can't confirm. Hashtag unconfirmed. Hashtag unconfirmed. I needed a drink. I needed a drink there. Uh, bef- before we go any further, the, the YouTube comments are popping off uh, over here, and we're, we're featuring them as many as we can. So thank you to those who are in the YouTube comments. If you're watching via Twitter – Go subscribe to the OnTap Sportsnet YouTube. Get in here, get in the comments, get your voice heard on the show. We love interacting with you guys. Thank you for hopping in there. Guys, the Zips projections today that were a Brayu list before the rumors came out. And, you know, you see things flying back and forth um, just about those. And it's kind of comical where we're at right now. When you talk about a team in a competitive window – I want to go back and pull like the 2018 zips projections, Steve, because I feel like there was a time, maybe 2018, 2019, we had Dan Zimborski on these airwaves uh, talking about the White Sox and, and those projection numbers. And I don't read too much into them. I'm not a big hashtag stats guy, as, as Steve alluded to. Exit velocity is my favorite thing and the only thing that I live by. Uh, so, you know, I don't know my head from my ass when it comes to zips projections, although I do know one thing. The higher the numbers are at every single position, the better your team is projected to be. The Sox seemed no better than they did back in 2018, 2019, maybe even slightly worse in some regards um, in terms of some key positions. Steve, I mean, was that just a, a, a preceding you know, gut punch to the Jose Abreu news from Dan to drop that today? Honestly, no, because I've been saying this for – a couple of weeks now and you've been getting hashtag mad online about it and other people have been getting pissed off about it um when i'm not talking about some fucking you know jabroni quarterback that plays for a certain team um, leave them out of this <laughs> i had to do it um this is an 82 83 win team i keep talking about this and people have blinders on because 
they still think that this core group is going to live up to the prospect pedigree and their prospect rankings that they had four and five years ago and the potential that was with them. But the problem with that is that the production at the major league level has not aligned with the prospect pedigree and the projections. What, and causes, people don't, that? what causes that? Um, guys being on the field 58% of the time. Mm-hmm. And then That's when they're fun. on the, and then when they're on the field, not producing inconsistency, I mean, could, in you producing? Put, could you put some of that on the development staff? You absolutely, I, mean, you absolutely. I, I just, I've got to take a second here, Steve. Does Project Birmingham, you were a big Project Beham guy at the end of the year. That inspires no confidence in, in to me because it's brought to you by the same front office and it's brought to you by the same name. But let me, okay, let that, me count on that. That brought you this core outside of that. Nick Hostetler who ultimately fell on the sword. What has changed here? Let me counter that, Okay. Birmingham Project Birmingham is an aggressive departure from what they were doing. Do we know if it's going to work? No, we don't. But at the same time, the other problem with it is, as Rick Hahn used to famously say, development isn't linear. That is important to recognize and to understand because development doesn't stop when you get to 333 West 35th Street. If you look at teams like the Astros, if you look at teams like the Dodgers, like the Rays, like the Barbs, teams that are successful and win consistently. Are you talking about the Jeremy Pena interview during the World Series on MLB Network where he explicitly talked about this exact fucking thing? Yeah, it, it fucking matters. When you get to the major leagues, when you have all eyes are on that product, the most important analysts with the organization are focused on that team because that is the team that pays the fucking bills that makes the money that drives the franchise valuation so that's where you need to see the most continued development happen perfect example of this with the atlanta braves dansby swanson when he came up with with that team after after coming over from the arizona diamondbacks where uh Dave Stewart and Tony La Russa just fucking ran that organization into the ground. When Dansby Swanson got to the Braves, he failed miserably. He was not hitting with consistency his first two years. But after that, what happened is we saw consistent development and improvement in his game offensively and defensively. And now he's going to get 150 to $200 million this winter as a free agent because development doesn't stop when you get to the show. That's part of the problem here with the White Sox. So it's not just about Project Birmingham. That's an important aspect. And again, we're not going to know for a couple of years whether this works or not. And that's, that's Steve, I think you you kind of hit on the same point that I was going to try and come back here with is that it it doesn't stop at the major league level. They have to continue to develop their guys to turn into world champions. And there's not a world champion attitude around the organization uh, since 2005, really. Um, And that was, let's, let's be honest. It feels at this point as if uh, that was a a distant past and because all the stars aligned in order for us to be competitive. And that's exactly what happened that year. The stars aligned and and you got lucky on one. I saw a comment come in here uh, from our guy voodoo Great teams develop well and put plus players around their youth to help them understand the big league game. And I I love this comment because here's what you're going to miss now when you let Jose Abreu walk out the fucking door. That was the one guy outside of him never being able to win a World Series of his own volition because of what's been put around him. He was a big league vet, a guy that's been well-respected around the league, a guy that as just every accolade outside of that that World Series championship that he wanted to win here, and you let him walk, and the two teams that were on him are two of the teams that you need to beat in your competitive window that you sold to White Sox fans when you started this rebuild. Those are the teams that are in on the guy who played for you that you let walk out the door for what is right now an undeveloped guy with questions who needs to who needs time to develop 
who wasn't given time to develop and employed an emergency situation to go play left field for your team because your roster construction was shit. And that's your plan now moving forward. Uh, well, you've got everything else locked up in payroll and a, what is it? A $65 million bullpen. That doesn't seem like they know what they're doing here. That might be the most mad online. I am this entire off season. And there was a question in here uh, from, uh, I think it was Matthew Lucas about what they would have to do to get an A. No, it was Robert Daniel. We'll get to Robert Daniel's question in just a minute. What would the Sox have to do this offseason for you to give them an A moving forward? I think that's a really good question. I think we'll go round table and answer it. But I'm I'm fucking pissed at this right here. And I think it hurts more as I as I talk about it and let this information just pile into my brain about how boneheaded this seems. Yeah, I mean, the other thing is Jose Abreu came here from Cuba in 2014. He, you know, this is the same organization that we're talking about that can't develop players and doesn't put an emphasis on that. He was able to thrive. He was able to figure it out. He was here to tutor and, you know, guide some of these prospects as they came up. How come these guys didn't produce? How come they didn't? I mean, obviously staying on the field is one problem, but Abreu was there. He had years with these guys, and, you know, it still didn't work out. Who is your veteran leader on this team? Is it Lance Lynn at this point? I would say Lance Lynn on the pitching side of it, on the positional side. um, You can make the case for Yasmani Grandal. Um, I think particularly being a catcher, I think that that is something that is, you know, pretty useful. But at the same time, you know, Tim Anderson – I mean, he's been here since 2016. So you went you went from a guy who preaches, I'm going to play my heart out every single day to two guys that have failed to stay on the field as your veteran leader leadership presence. What other – what, what else we got? They're going to have to step up. They have to fill that – What, can, what competitive team out there that's won a World Series has employed that strategy? It's almost – kind of why I've been saying this isn't a viable World Series contender. I don't have one for you. All right. There we go. We'll move on. Let's go to that question. Let's go to that question because we've got we've got games to play. I see you guys have your Jose Abreu bobbleheads. We're going to go to some, some Jose Abreu favorite moments in his career here. But let's go to that question here from Robert Daniel on YouTube. What would the White Sox have to do this offseason to give them an A moving forward? I think Steve is going to be the toughest grade out of these beds. So you're you you're on the hot seat. You're going first. Um, something that they would never do, which is sign Aaron Judge <laughs> or Trey Turner. Uh, you know, getting a superstar that would absolutely give them an A. As far as their realistic options. I, I don't know. There, there really isn't a left fielder that I love. I know people talk about Brandon Nimmo a lot. Sure, you know, he'd be a good pickup. Um, but the guys that are going to make a difference and really change, um, you know, the direction of the team and make them a true contender are not guys that are in the market that they're shopping in. So I, I don't I don't see a move out there that is realistic, that they would realistically make for me to give them an A. Steve. Um, I think you need, for, for me to give them an A, you got to sign Aaron Judge and Justin Verlander. Oof. <laughs> these, are, I, these are tough grades. I mean, let's be real about this, because if you... You know, if you signed Aaron Judge, you plugged him into right field, and then Oscar Colas becomes your everyday left fielder. Now you've got the outfield covered. Eloy becomes your full-time DH. You know. Can you guys stop with the Aaron Judge thing? Because now you've got me envisioning some you, situation you said where... You said what was necessary for me to give them an A. Yes. You asked the I, question I, I answered. I want, like, the realistic A. How do you turn this around? You, because it's... Th- no, yes, but at the no. same time, now you've got me thinking of some scenario where we're, you know, in some bar in January near what would have been Soxfest. Oh, wait, that was fucking canceled too. And 
we're talking about how Aaron Judge is flying into Milwaukee to drive down to Chicago to sign a contract just days after his name was paraded around the atrium of the United Center. And I don't want to live that dream again. I don't want to live that. So, like, the Aaron Judge talk just... Within the realm of reality, there is nothing that can be done this winter to give this team an A. Let's just be real about it. An A, no. I mean, it's one of those superstars. But, you know, if you go out and get Andrew Benintende to play left field and... uh, Steve loves Italians. Loves Italians. Maybe you go and trade for Colton Wong to play second and add another left-handed bat. You know, then then you've got you've got a better team, at least on paper. You, you know, if they sign if they sign paper. Andrew if they sign Andrew Benintendi, the Bertucci boys will be happy. They'll make lots of rigatoni in the clubhouse. See, if, you, if you get Benintendi, I feel like you got to package somebody up. Send Lucas Giolito and somebody else over to Kansas City. Uh, you've got Pedro Grafal here. I want some Vinny Pasquantino guy, you know, smashing home runs and playing first base instead of Andrew Vaughn. That's all Italian team. Benintendi, yeah. Pasquantino. Yes. That's what you that's what you gotta do. The only that's... problem is they would never make 710 first pitch. They wouldn't show up to like 845 at the earliest. Oh geez. Uh, well, move it back. I mean, they moved it back for 7-Eleven when 7-Eleven was the sponsor. They moved the start time back. At least you want to hear minute. something can... wild. So I'm I'm reading a book from from my customer, Dr. David Fletcher, who, who's da- down in Champaign, called Chili Dog MVP on the 1972 team and, and Dick Allen. That 72 season and for much of the 1970s, games didn't start till 8-10. That would be fantastic. Johnny no. and I would love it. Johnny and I would love it. We'd be on here on Socks on Tap doing post games for at like 10.30 to 11 at night. It'd be fantastic all through the summer. Like, don't... Don't tease me like that, Steve. It, that's you're, you're teasing me with a good time. So you yeah. love the West Coast start time. You love the nine ten games for for the most part, Baz. I, I love I love those games. Uh, I know you've got some young ones at at home as well. It, you know, as they get a little bit older and their bedtime starts to move back, um, you know, the eight ten game gets watched or the nine o'clock game gets watched a little bit easier once those kids are down to sleep. Uh, so that you can actually focus on the baseball instead of, you know, all of the other things that come. Oh, nice. See, with, it's great for me because father, I can focus yeah. on the baseball anytime I want. <laughs> yeah. See, I like the later start. It, it, it extends my day just a little bit. Well, I've got, you know, when we've got the, um, when we're in Colorado facing, you know, our, our rivals, the Rockies, I've got those dates circled on my calendar. Cause that, you know, storied rivalry. Baseball's biggest like rivalry. Baseball's biggest rivalry. Right. And it's always great to beat the Rockies. We got to, yeah, it is always great to beat the Rockies. This, this right. has gone off the, <laughs> off the rails a little bit in the comments. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I love, I love the late night baseball. If we can, I, I don't know how we got here. I think it was Vinny Pasquantino and Andrew Benintende and uh, the start Iturn, times, start times, yeah, we're we're in prime form here in the offseason. It, it, it never stops. Guys, um, you know, let, let's let's break it down with a game here. I got a I got a nice game. I see both of you. Let's show off. Uh you both have very nice Jose Abreu uh bobbleheads here. Uh how did you guys each acquire these ones? When when are these from? So mine is the uh I want to say this is the 2018 or 2019 Silver Slugger edition. Oh, an um, award? A White Sox player won an award? Yeah, yeah. Uh wait, uh, yeah, no, it doesn't give the year on the back of this here. Um honestly, I don't remember how this came to be in my possession, but I have it nonetheless. And as they say, possession is nine tenths of the law. There you go. Uh, Besnick, uh ooh, look at this one. This is this is a throwback. He lost his bet. Um, so the bat's gone. He probably tossed it, you know, after hitting a bomb. But That's this is it. the uh, 2014 AL Rookie of the Year. Um, got it at a game, I'm guessing, in 2015. I don't remember the game I got it at, but that's that's uh, that's where I got it at a game. So I don't. I'm not a big bobblehead guy. I only have a few, but this is definitely uh, a keeper. So th- th- those are both sweet. I like the. Uh... I like the rookie of the year one. I mean, it, it, here we are, all these awards and accolades, and you guys brought some bobbleheads down to do the show, and I 
quickly looked over at my bobblehead collection and realized I don't have a Jose Abreu bobblehead, which uh, now kind of sucks thinking about it because he's gone. But I do have one piece of uh, a Jose Abreu merchandise here. And I've I've brought this up with our guy Cherizi before once uh, that I have these uh, nesting dolls that uh, my brother brought me. Um, this is Jose Abreu. We can uh, focus in on his face. Painted lovely here on this nesting doll. Look at that. And Russia doll nests you. Yes. Look at that, man. He's he's gripping that bat pretty tight. Uh, just to make sure that you guys see it, 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 that is Jose Abreu. In fact, we're going to play a little game here. Um, these these are actually straight from Russia. It says so right on the bottom. Uh, unconfirmed face of Abreu. Uh, we're gonna play. We're gonna play a little game here. Uh, now these are not from the Jose Abreu era of 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 New Day. These are the old day Jose Abreu. So let's think back around 2014. Uh, it's not all Jose Abreu in here. There's all bunch of uh, other White Sox legends. So let's get a prediction of Jose Abreu's former teammates and other White Sox legends. Who's coming next after Jose Abreu? After we crack him open here. The milkman, Melky Cabrera. Besnick, who you got? I'll go with Adam LaRoche. This is the face of one Adam Eaton. Number one. Yes, that, that's Adam Eaton comes after Jose Abreu here. He called Drake LaRoche a leader, so... All right, this gets even more difficult. Can we tell who this is? Tyler Flowers. Uh, Todd Frazier. Great guesses. That is Connor Gillespie. Mm. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We need to see that again. He's smiling. That's not him. Nope. (laughs) No chance. Who we got here? Alexei Ramirez. Yeah, that's got to be Alexei. That is hashtag confirmed. You guys both have one point. Alexei Ramirez. We had a Willie Harris in the chat. You've muted yourself, Anthony. We got one left. We got one left. They're kind of squeaky when you pull them apart. Uh, We got one left here, This, this little guy. Get him close to the camera. Who we got here? That's Melky. Yeah, I want to say that's Melky. That is not. That is my favorite White Sox player of all time. Dion the Tank Viciato is the final nesting doll. They, they were never teammates, though. No, they weren't. None of these so guys were. what are we doing here? So somebody in Russia had to have and, – and, and the story behind this goes is – my brother was walking around uh, Ukraine and found a, you know, little shop that was set up with hand painted nesting dolls, and saw this one random White Sox painted nesting doll set, and decided that that's too good to pass up, and brought this back home. And I think he gave it to me sometime around 2016, 2017. He's like, none of these names even match up. This is pretty wild. Like I don't even understand how Connor Gillespie winds up with with these guys, but uh, nonetheless. They started with Jose Abreu, and they somehow wound up with Diane Viciato. So it's I don't know, it's probably one of a kind. So there you go. I'm not sure where we go from here, Counselor. I'm not sure where we go from here either. Uh, but uh, I do want to I do want to bring it to favorite moments of Jose Abreu's tenure in a White Sox uniform. We'll go to Besnick first. Uh, just share some good memories and let's, let's drink on some good memories of, of Jose Abreu. Steve, I know you've got some more of that, uh, that nooner to drink and, and Besnick, I think you've got a candle to light a vigil for this, uh, little, little segment that we do. I do. Um, yeah, I, there you go. I've got a lighter. I can dim the lights. We can say a prayer. Uh, you know, this was an awesome moment and I saw it posted on Twitter multiple times was the walk-off grand slam against the Rays, his rookie year. And I have a little anecdote about that game because a certain someone, me, 
and some of my buddies, a couple of them were Cubs fans. One guy just is not a baseball fan. He just went to hang out, and my buddy Steve and I were the only Sox fans. We might have had a few too many. We might have been a little overserved that day, and we left after the eighth inning. And Jose, it might have actually been even after the top of the uh, top of the ninth. And Jose walked it off. So that was is it, this uh, was against Detroit. No, it was against Tampa, um, Tampa in like okay. April of 2014. It was, uh, it was off Grant Cubs. Balfour. Ooh, it was off Grant Balfour. That's right. So I yeah, would... that was uh, it was rough to leave that game early, but uh, still an awesome moment. Still an awesome moment. His uh, his homer in Oakland in the playoffs. That was amazing. Um, those are the first two that come to mind. Steven. For me, so Besnick, yeah, you took one of them, the Grand Slam, the walk-off Grand Slam off of Grant Balfour in April of 2014 when he won American League Rookie of the Month when he hit 10 home runs his first month in the big leagues. That was his second home run of the game. Hit his first one off of Chris Archer in the fourth inning. Sox had a big comeback. I remember watching that game at Buffalo Wings and Rings. Um you know, that was, uh, I was like, hey, this guy, he's here. You know, he's going to be a force. So that obviously stood out to me. Um, the home run at the Field of Dreams game in Iowa, Anthony. Obviously, yeah. you know, we had uh, we had ourselves a night there. Yes, we did. Um, Hashtag confirmed. Yeah, so that was, uh, that was always special. And then, um, you know, kind of a, maybe a little bit of a lesser moment, but when he hit for that cycle against the San Francisco giants in, I want to say it was 2019 and him having to get the triple in that final at bat. And I just remember watching the highlights of that ball landing in the right center field gap and him just turning on the brakes. He was going for three, no matter what. And you could just see it on his face that that guy, he was like, I'm, I'm getting this fucking thing. And that was just very symbolic of who Jose Abreu was a guy that just went out there and busted his ass every day. Gave it everything he had every time he stepped on that field. You could say he had TWTW. That is hashtag confirmed. Yeah, that is that is absolutely hashtag confirmed. Uh, we've got one in the comments that actually is is one of my favorite moments was the weekend at Wrigley during COVID. Um, that was one of my favorite moments. Obviously, the 2020 COVID season. Everybody was unable to attend uh, the games in person. So my garage was rather full when this was taking place, Stephen. And I'm pretty sure in one of those games we had a couple of the guys over. I'm not sure if you were in attendance or not, but uh, I believe it was the Friday game. I don't think there was as big of a crowd as that Saturday night. But uh, my, my neighbor Doug happened to be in the garage, and he's a big Cubs fan. And Jose Abreu just launching three home runs i believe it was that game uh that he hit the three uh but uh it was my garage erupting there were other garages down the block erupting as they were also streaming the game um and just the the cheering that you would hear at a ballpark coming from people's garages when Jose Abreu was hitting home runs and everybody was trying to be outside and just have that baseball experience it was something that I won't forget probably for the rest of my life because that was the normal then. And being able to celebrate as a White Sox fan around other people in that regard was an excellent experience. Outside of that, Steve, I, I have to agree with you. Uh, it was seeing him at that home run at the Field of Dreams game. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll hold this for later, but maybe it's a, it's a hot take for now. The Field of Dreams game was where this White Sox rebuild peaked. Um, and I think that uh, maybe they designed themselves too much for that Field of Dreams game and not a actual uh, playoff run. Who knows? But uh, those are my favorite Jose Abreu moments, guys. I want to end this on on one last thing here, and we've got we've got some reason to believe that this entire episode was inspired by something that took place on I believe it was September 18th. Um, so we've got to roll the tape here. And we're going to bring this up um, and, and just go back in time a little bit. Uh, at, at, at that juncture, I believe the White Sox were still alive. And you can see that uh, within this video. Um, you know, I, th I think at that time, White Sox Dave had uncounseled the season. 
uh, Steve had taken off the the uh, it's over stuff from his Twitter profile, and everybody was feeling good. And then something happened on a Sox on Tap Sunday Fun Day. Uh, let's just let's just roll the tape, and we'll see what exactly went down. Jerry Reinsdorf, you failed Jose Abreu. So you don't think he's coming back? I don't know if he is or not. By my overarching point to this is if he decides, if he feels that this team that has failed him for close to a decade doesn't give him the best opportunity to win the World Series, he deserves to Could that go. be disastrous, though? It could be. Yeah, absolutely it could, could be. Could that be disastrous? I know we're just we're way down the rabbit hole. Today. I mean, look, the idea of Jose Abreu, you know, if, say, he wanted – if he – went to the Houston Astros and actually went to a smart organization. Oh my God, that would make me so sick. And and don't, like, why are you even saying this? You're going to give me nightmares tonight. This is supposed to be a positive show. We're going to, we're going to curb this conversation in a minute. But why would you say Jose Abreu to the Astros on these airwaves? Here, again, I'm not saying I want this, but let's just think about this. Yuli Gurriel, 39 years old, contract is up at the end of this year. The Astros need a first baseman. They have spring training in Florida, where Jose Abreu's son is. What team finished second in the Jose Abreu sweepstakes in 2013? Stop! I don't want to hear anymore. L, you you want it to get worse? Because I got one more to make it even worse for you. Just who did the who did the who do the Astros open up with next year? Just gonna take the headphones off. You can say whatever you need to. It's us. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Oh God, that would be so bad. So bad. Let's not, Let's make, this not happen. make this happen. Why did you do this, Steve? Why did you do this? You did this to all of us. What did I tell you so many times during the fucking season? Positive, positive. We got to think positive. Then you go and you do that on September 18th. And here we are today paying for the sins and reaping what you sowed on that episode. Thanks, Steve. Your honor, if I may, this is not a Steve issue. This is a Jerry Reinsdorf issue. At the end of the day, there is one person and one person alone who could have prevented this moment, who could have prevented that diatribe from two months ago. One person had the power to do it. One person had the power to surround Jose Abreu with a team that could actually compete during a window when this guy sat through two fucking rebuilds. A guy that said individual called one of his favorite White Sox players ever. One man and one man only. No. But one man had the power to stop this whole thing. He had the power to prevent that train from leaving the station. And he didn't do it because he's a fucking gutless coward. And all he cares about is his profit margins. That's it. He didn't really care about Jose Abreu raising the commissioner's trophy. That's all we all wanted to see. Because if he cared, he would have said, hey, you know, after forcing Abreu to sit through 2017 and 2018, which was the worst White Sox team since 1970, the first White Sox team to lose 100 games in close to 50 years, he could have said, you know what? It's time to win. I'm going to blow the doors off, and I'm going to make sure that this guy has all the protection in the world that he needs so that he can go out there and mash. But did he do it? No, because he's fucking gutless. He's a loser. He has no spine. He has no pride. Fuck Jerry Reinsdorf always and forever. I don't have anything to say to that, Baz. I don't know about you. I would add Rick Hahn into the mix there because well. Rick Rick got a hundred. Who employs Rick Hahn? 
I, I know Steve, but Jerry gave him a $195 million credit card and he spent a third of it on relievers and first baseman and DHs. Thank you. And he is the guy who got us to the point where we say, well, we got to let Jose Abreu walk because we've got these roster issues and there's a log jam at first base and DH. So Rick Hahn is culpable here for letting it get to this point. Also, Kenny Williams, fuck you too. You're not sitting there twiddling your thumbs. You have a part of this. So he's no, I'm, no, I'm told he just sits in his office and plays with himself all day. He has no say so whatsoever in, in anything that relates to the major league roster. I mean, why why would the highest ranking baseball organization or ba- baseball um, person in an organization have any say in roster construction? How does that make any sense? He's got the best job in the world. He gets paid to do nothing. See, this is this is the problem with this organization. This is what it always has been. There is no culpable. There's no culpability for any of it. They all have Paul. I thought it was all Tony Larusa, guys. I thought it was all fucking. Oh no, that fucking dipshit didn't help things. Let's let's not let him off the hook. Hey, he's he's already off the hook. He's already off the hook. He's gone. He's gone now. So and he's, that's he's, all, out and that's, your, he's out of your nightmares. You don't have to talk about him anymore. Oh no, no. You know what I decided the other day. And, and I'm going to do this just for spite because he was making dumb shit decisions for two years. I'm going to just lambast him and ridicule him for the next two years, just to even the score. Sweet. Man. Go ahead. You'll be we, preaching. You'll be preaching to everybody that wants the Tony LaRusso hate and the Tony LaRusso ruin the team narrative. Instead, I think you should focus your political efforts on continuing to just get Jerry Reinsdorf to sell the team. I mean, you can, you can bark up whichever, whichever tree you want to, it doesn't matter, but I, I, I like to, I'd like to, yeah, go ahead. I like where Besnick's head's at here in this discussion because I, I just, I can't imagine how you can still, and this is Jerry's problem. I will admit to this. This is Jerry's problem because he hasn't cleaned house the way he did with the Chicago Bulls. And look where that fucking organization is right now too. It's still in the dumpster. Call up Buzz. I mean, he's probably just absolutely depressed right now over the state of both of his Jerry Reinsdorf run teams. There hasn't been that go get a championship attitude that everybody's wanted the entire time. But Besnick's right. This is a team that was seventh in payroll in the in Major League Baseball. You and I sat here and talked about how, yeah, that's probably where you want them to sort of be, maybe a little bit higher. But they're not like they're not like the fucking Oakland Athletics here. They're not sitting at the bottom of, of major league payroll where you can sit there and call them a legitimate poverty franchise. They've spent money. They've spent it fucking poorly. It's been spent terribly. And the money that has been spent has been given to guys that aren't available and aren't on the field. And you can supplement that and say, well, maybe you need to spend better on your training staff, or maybe you need to spend better on a bunch of other stuff. It's really concerning to me when you have tweets that are out there from, and I've got to talk to our guy, Brian about this there was i believe a diamondbacks trainer who's now part of the white Sox organization and it was billed as like i'm going home because i need to help my family and this is how i can still work in major league baseball is to work for the white Sox. like that is some sad sack of organizational shit as i've ever seen here's a guy who's got to come home because his wife's moving to a different job and he's going to work for the white Sox here where is I want to go work for the White Sox because they're a world-class organization. Or you the know, White like, Sox went out. Like I, I've, I've been around the block enough to know, and Bez, you probably have too within the tech world. Like Everybody wants to you know, throw out there that they're a top 100 place to work in the Chicagoland area, and there's newspaper articles about it. Where do the Sox rank in this? Because it's I've, not in the top 100, apparently. Look, I, I've, I've said this for a long time. There's only one organization in the sport that is dumber than the White Sox. And that is their arch rival, the Colorado Rockies. <laughs> Leave that rivalry out of this. <laughs> I mean, the, the synergies are just unbelievable. Well, I mean, what do, what do they want when they try to steal Juan Uribe from us? Just because they had him first, did he hoist the trophy? No, not for the Rockies, for us. Juan Uribe has a statue. Goddamn right he does. So you're talking about statues as we close this down on the hour mark here. Did you guys see the uh, the Washington football team put their 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 statue up? That's what I expect the Jose Abreu statue to look like, guys, because that's the new standard in professional sports. Everybody's been talking about the Jose Abreu statue. Like, I'm surprised that no one on White Sox Twitter, and if I had the time, I would have done this already. 
I would have photoshopped the Jose Abreu jersey on there with maybe like the 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 old White Sox shorts, like the Chris Sale cut up uniforms. Like that's the Jose Abreu statue I imagine right now because that's where I'm at as a White Sox fan. I mean, it looks like a mannequin from a department store with a jersey on it. It's pretty bad. But I thought, I mean, I, I thought the top of the bean was reserved for the Abreu statue. So we're not, we're putting, are we still putting it on the bean tone? Is I'm not sure. If, I'm not sure if we're putting it on the bean. I mean, that might be reserved for Jose Abreu or potentially Gavin Sheets at this point in time. I'm still, I'm still, I don't think I said what uh, my A off season would be. I think you've got to find a way to get, you know, Diane Viciato off of the Chiniche Dragons and bring him back to 35th and Shields and let him rake for a season. Uh, you know, keep Gavin Sheets in right field and and maybe, you know, throw Lurie out there at at at, uh, at second base to start the season. I think that's a, a White Sox winning recipe. The ballpark will be empty and it'll be easier for me to get a beer next season. Might be a better reason for me to renew my season tickets uh, rather than try and throw a half-assed team out there. Just personally, that's where I'm at. And you'll have you'll have less time to get a beer. So if it's empty, um, you know, you'll exactly have less, less exactly to fight with you know the games being shortened by 30 minutes. So I'm I'm not too opposed to that idea. Not bad. Em- embrace the suck. <laughs> Try to suck. Embrace it. Embrace it at this point. I I mean we've we've been very negative today. Besnick. We'll, we'll finish with this. You gave people a reason to have some hope because, you know, I'm a big positivity guy. Uh, you gave people a reason for some hope. Uh, Steve has kind of hinted at some of this. I think he calls it a dead cat bounce. Um, I, I love the word dead in there because that's how I feel inside right now. But, uh, Besnick, uh, why don't you talk about uh, something that you wrote over at ontapsportsnet.com that maybe people should go and check out if they want to feel better after they listen to this. Okay. So the first thing, the first food for thought is this. The White Sox last year with five more wins tie the Tampa Bay Rays for the third wild card spot and they held the tiebreaker over the Rays. Five wins. I've heard all year for the last two years that Tony Larusta cost them a lot of games. I'm willing to bet I can go back and find five games that the White Sox should have won. Tony, Steve, I'm sure you can do the same. Five wins, okay? Last year, from 2021, the San Diego Padres improved by 10 games. How did they do it? They cleaned house in the dugout. They made some tweaks on the margins to their roster. They were healthy. They got into the playoffs as a second wild card. They got to the NLCS. Did they get the ultimate prize? No, but there's 29 teams every year that don't get there. So... For me, if the White Sox can get to the ALCS, shit, if they can make the playoffs, I'll be pretty happy. Is there a dead cat bounce in there? Of course. The big change from 2021 to 2022 is the White Sox in 2021 allowed the fewest runs. Their pitching allowed the fewest runs in the American League. In 2022, they were towards the bottom. That is what that's where the dead cat bounce needs to come from, in my opinion. So if you want to be positive about 2023, folks, take a look at that article. Take a look at the 2021 San Diego Padres and how they went from 79 and 83 to an 89-win to an team the following year. Steve, I'm going to throw it over to you. <laughs> I've got a situation in the comments. We're back. We're back, baby. I've got a situation in the comments to deal with here. Uh, Steve, I'll throw it over to you. Uh, you know, it just it, leave everybody with a positive thought because I've got some negative thoughts to leave everybody with. We might have a new sponsor here for, for Socks on Tap, xgirls.com, apparently. Well, it's dot .xyz, Stephen. Oh, my, my, my bad. You know that's how we've put on a good show is when we get the spam bots in the comments. Uh, so thank you to all of you, the, you that come in and, and hop in these YouTube uh, streams because then we get stuff like this that happens for life as our guy Voodoo Now, here's what says. I want to know is, is xgirlsxyz.com. Do they have any kind of business partnership with 69 Mega? 
I probably I would think so. One one would definitely think so. Maybe we need the sixty nine mega back. I think I forget who was on with us that night, but uh, they've been oh, blocked. I was I was definitely I was I was at the I know you were there of the sixty nine mega movement. That was some of the best. Uh, you know, on tap sports net uh, content from Sox on tap all season. Cause the white Sox went on a run and they maybe, did. maybe just maybe that X girls dot X, Y, Z means that the white Sox will sign Aaron judge. And it came right during my positive diatribe too. I mean, it's gotta mean these, something. Are, these are good signs. Yeah. These see, signs. Steve, this is why we need you to talk more positivity because all of a sudden, whenever there's some positivity around, you get stuff like 69 Mega well, and all the stuff. So I, I said it on Twitter earlier. Well, it's, it's, a, said, it's a chicken or the egg thing. Like, like what came first, my positivity or 69 Mega? Probably so, both. It came at the same oh, time. Okay, I mean, it was okay, like a step, it just the, the yeah, just the Big Bang Theory. So listen right? now, listen now that you know X Girls XYZ is in my life here. Who knows what's going to happen now? Things are just turning out my way now. Apparently, you know, let's we're, we're going to bring some positivity out of this. Let's go. Let's make some things happen. Does does this team have it again, Steve? I mean, I'm like ready. we just we we just released all the negativity out into the world, and now all of a sudden, Vesnik starts talking about some positive White Sox stuff. I was literally just sitting there thinking, man, how many how many months until Steve is going to like send me a message and say? I'm writing the article about what Mike Clevenger is going to fetch at the deadline. And then all of a sudden this happens and here we are. What if I told you an ad from X girls and shot XYZ turned around the franchise. You got to get in. You got to get in the comments on the YouTube. If that's not a reason to subscribe, I don't know what it is, Besnick. I mean, we do this here as much as we possibly can come talk white Sox with you. Uh, we're we're just over the hour mark, guys. Uh, let, let's close this down. And uh, th- there's no better way to do it with some final thoughts. So I'll go to Besnick first. Final thoughts on uh, on this this day in White Sox history. It's a sad day. It's not a great day. Some would say it's a very bad day. Uh, but uh, just your final thoughts. We'll go to Steve, and and I'll I'll share mine, and then we'll uh, we'll get on out of here because I got more beers to drink. Jose Abreu's gone. It's brutal. It sucks. But we're going to have to figure out a way to move on. I'm not going anywhere. I'll be there um, on, on the home opener in the 2023 season. I'll be watching every single game as always. So we got to find a way to uh, to move on. I know it's tough. I know this. they don't give us a lot of reason for hope, but there is reason for hope. Um, I talked about it and, you know, X girls, X, Y dot X, Y, Z showed up during that, uh, that comment. So um, I'm going to miss, I'm going to miss a brave. I'm going to miss him playing every single day. Cause we know no one else on this team usually does that, but um, that's what I'm going to leave it at. We just have to move on and, uh, and hope for the best in 2023. You know, you talk about, great lineages at positions in major league baseball. You talk about the ginger socks left field going from Ted Williams to years to Jim Rice, the white Sox at first base for the last 30 plus years, since the final days at old Comiskey park, you can stack them up against anybody going from Frank Edward Thomas to Paul Canerco to Jose Abreu. Those are three franchise icons right there. It's absolutely going to suck seeing Jose Abreu put on a different uniform. But on May 12th, when he comes back to the corner of 35th and Shields, everybody should fucking be there. I know a lot of people are pissed off at this organization, and a lot of people are talking that they are not going to be as present at the ballpark. But if anything, you need to be present on that day to show your appreciation for that guy, for that fucking warrior that went out every day and busted his ass and exemplified the virtues that this fan base loves to talk about and pride themselves on hard work, grit, determination, putting on your hard hat, putting your head down and just doing your fucking job. That's what Jose Abreu was all about. And again, I'm going to come back to this one final time. Jerry Reinsdorf, 
Ken Williams, Rick Hahn, the three fucking stooges. You guys fucking failed him. You all should be embarrassed. Every last one of you. This is on all of you. That guy went out there, gave you the nine best years of his baseball life, and he has two playoff wins to show of it. That is on you, losers. That's a message that even Kenwell will endorse. Um, yeah, I mean, Steve, you kind of stole something that uh, I was going to bring home uh, with the fact that uh, first base for the Chicago White Sox has been, I mean, cream of the crop for my entire life. It's kind of like how my football team has had the greatest quarterbacks of all time. I'm not sure you guys have ever experienced that, but that's here nor there. Now, I'm ready for the passing of the torch. Obviously, my boy Gavin Sheets is going to continue this legacy as uh, another White Sox first base legend as he continues on a massive tear and launches 30 home runs for the Chicago White Sox in 2024 and signs a long-term extension. But we're not there yet. He's got a battle. He's got a battle with a guy named Andrew Vaughn, who we've poked holes in his offense uh, today. And, And Steve talked about how he's wearing down. If we've got any final messages here, it's that I'm going to be going to work harder this offseason with my boy Gavin. We're going to prepare for spring training, and we're going to get ourselves ready. I mean, this year it was pretty close. Go check out that baseball reference page and pull up Jose Abreu and Gavin Sheets. We're about to go on a tear here. Things are looking up for Gavin Sheets, and that's the best positive message that I can give anybody at this point in time. Uh, guys, thanks for coming on here and discussing all of this stuff with with me and, and the listeners and Everybody who's uh, tuned in to Socks on Tap, Besnick is going to show off his Jose Abreu bobblehead one last time. I think Steve should as well. I'm I'm just I'm ready for for more White Sox talk. I, I, I've got to say one one last little word here is getting to talk back to back days White Sox baseball on on this show has been fantastic. I hope the Sox continue to make news whether it be positive or negative, because I enjoy talking White Sox baseball. So follow Sox on Tap on Twitter, at Sox on Tap. Follow Steve at NWI underscore Steve. Besnick at Sox Insane. Follow me at Tony on Tap. Make sure you're following on Tap Sportsnet and heading over to on Tap Sportsnet's White Sox section for all of your Chicago White Sox news. We'll be back when more news breaks, or we just feel that itch to talk White Sox baseball again. Guys, it's been a pleasure. But uh, like I said before, there's more beer to drink. White Sox forever. Jose Abreu forever. Xgirls.xyz and White Sox for life.